0: Yo, I'm coming from that 3-6, so that's why I got them brains spinning. Ain't nobody using blinkers, we ain't good
1: at lane switching. Better get a plane ticket, I ain't flying all you chickens though. Always shoot my shot. Swishing off the pick and roll, dishing off the
0: give and go While my squad is driven so you can catch us on the road Promise we ain't doing RIP show. CITY, are you listening? I'm Christian Gamalin, I'm talking with co-host Austin Caphammer And this is the Peeps and Plaid podcast The Blazers are 7-5, and five, good for 5th in the West They were on a 4-game win streak with solid wins against the Timberwolves and Kings They then eked out a comeback win against the Raptors And then came back from what was essentially two 20-point deficits to beat the Kings yet again Unfortunately, it has not been all good news for Rip City. The Blazers lost a pretty bad one on Thursday to a Pacers team that just recently traded Victor Oladipo, and they didn't have Karis Levert from that trade yet. But even worse, Yusuf Nurkic suffered a broken wrist in that game and is expected to miss at least 8 weeks. Brutal. So. Austin, we'll talk about the Blazers' games. We'll talk about how the rest of the league is doing. But let's start with this Nurkic injury. How are you feeling about this team stepping up with him gone for a huge portion of this season?
1: I'm I'm really not too alarmed. I would say it's obviously—I'm actually more concerned in terms of, like, the long game for, for Yusef in terms of how this kind of impedes his development. We just kind of heard from—I think it was Casey Hovdahl that said that, you know— let's not forget that players are people too. And, you know, he's recovering from the loss of his, his grandmother. um, And then obviously that traumatic injury with his leg. So it sounded like just kind of reading the writing on the wall that he had kind of just gotten his mental right. Then this unfortunately happened. And it was just so anticlimactic. Like when he snapped his leg, everyone was like, um, and obviously that's like a gruesome injury, but yeah, even on even on a lesser injury you know if it's a, a tendon injury people are like oh, oh and there's kind of that off court getting him off the court hype it was so inadvertent it's it, so like uh, routine yes exactly he he just swiped down at the ball yeah and 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 then he just grabbed it looked at it and it kind of i don't know maybe i'm just projecting here after because i know what it's done knows it feels like to a degree of just getting injury after injury it, it was kind of just like he was like Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but just like done,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: watching a walk off the court. I wa- like he just looked at it and was just like, and just like walked off the court. And I was like, oh man, like, yeah, don't give up, like mentally, Nurk. Like, and I think I think the reason why that's kind of the the general sentiment from both the locker room and the fans of don't give up. We're here for you. Is because that's a that's a just from a personal level, uh, an extremely difficult thing to deal with, Mm, to have so many surgeries and injuries at a young age, and while kind of coping with COVID, like we all are, and and, and then a loss of a loved one, you know, that's a lot. Yeah, I think the Blazers are gonna be fine. We're not, Hmm. I, I personally, I've felt and, and Christian, I told you I was going to say some things on, on this podcast going forward a little bit more <laughs> unapologetically. Personally, I felt like he hasn't been as much of a staple, or I shouldn't say a staple. He'll always be a staple in our offense, as a, yeah. as, a, as good of a passing center as he is. He hasn't been as effective as I've seen at times. To- He's not as consistent as I'd like to see. Yeah. And I think that the, the messages I see around him and what he means to the Blazers sometimes cross that line of, how much he's integrated into our offense versus how much he's producing. I think people hear that we're not gonna have him in that role since he's integrated into our offense. And they forget that we have players in the NBA that are still high product high productivity players. Yeah. Even though they may not be that passing big man, they're still high productivity players. I'm not talking about Hassan Whiteside like uh <laughs> box score, box stuffer players. I'm talking yeah. about people that are like functionally uh, productive totally and are we going to have someone that's going to like see the court like Yusuf Nurkic or defend like Zach Collins you know I would say Roko defends better but differently than Zach Collins um, mm-hmm. and I would say no we're not going to have someone who sees the court like Yusuf Nurkic um, that's one of the few things he's exceptional at totally and, and I and I and I say few because exceptional in the NBA is is truly exceptional mm-hmm. I, I think the Blazers are already having to reinvent themselves to a degree Obviously, you don't want to have to reinvent a system, but in terms of adapting to players, I guess this is kind of better than it happening later in the year. Yeah, that's a that's a really crappy silver lining to acknowledge, yeah. but there's hope that he comes back for the playoffs. More guys on the market, maybe right now. Mm-hmm. So, and also just kind of more time to gain chemistry. So. I truthfully don't think it's a, a, a death sentence by any means, yeah. um, especially not for like postseason aspirations. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to be too terrible. And yeah. I, I, I think defensively, it was already terrible. So I think if you <laughs> have some more athletic players in your front court that are able to rotate quicker, because by the way, another one of those things that a lot of people don't want to hear, I'm starting to question Damon CJ's on-ball defense. I think they play – they're exceptional when they play it. I think they definitely take uh, less plays off than other similarly leveled stars around the league. Yeah. But there's so many times where I watch them die on screens. Die. Yeah. Die on screens. And then I see Dame throw his hands up, and I'm like, dude, you didn't didn't stay on your man. You didn't stay in front of your man. Yeah. And then Yusuf is like one of the heaviest players in the NBA. Like how is he supposed to slide over? That's like (laughs) – I – Look, I didn't play basketball. I'm not a coach. So that's why I try to stay away from getting too into the weeds with the X's and O's. But it's been a while now that I've been watching and wanting to ask this question when do we start holding our starting guards accountable for their on ball defense?
0: Totally. I think that's valid, very valid, because I mean, that's kind of the whole trade CJ mantra is hey, they're both great no one is denying they're both great it's what does a team of basketball players need to have on the court and having two offensive centered guards ball, that are ball dominant four, yeah six four or shorter that's not necessarily ideal for a team dynamic yet again i'm not just jumping straight on the cj trade cj train or anything like that just to say like it's it's a very real concern because they both can get eaten up by screens they both you know if you're against like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, if you're against, you know, Westbrook and John Wall, whatever the case is, like a, a really good backcourt, sure, like, you're gonna have to put your your next best defenders potentially on them. Probably Dane's covering one of them, maybe Derek Jones is covering the other, and then CJ takes, you know, the small forward or power forward, if it if it makes sense. Just that consideration of, you know, we have CJ instead of someone like Paul George, Jimmy Butler, just just someone who's a longer defender that kind of thing well
1: and really and really quick christian uh i I won't i won't take too long here because i don't want you i want you to hold your thought but i need to and i think rip city needs to look at how dame and cj are playing off ball defense as well because you brought up a very good point you talked about well you know in, in certain scenarios we'll have uh djj on their best player and i've absolutely watched that and if you read our tweets i've critiqued it his mm-hmm. Derek Jones Jr.'s on-ball defense, but I have not. I have not kept a magnifying glass on Dame or CJ while off the ball yeah. when Derek Jones Jr. is because think about it, think about all the potential errors that are going wrong there. I mean, are are these are these larger forwards and wing players basically gaining position on them on the block? Yeah, are they cutting and they're too fast and big to even stop them once they're slashing to the rim, like? These are, these are questions that undoubtedly others, especially in the locker room, are asking, but mm-hmm. I,
0: I haven't really asked. Yeah, I will say, obviously, CJ's been killing offensively. Um, hopefully, an all-star season is in the books for uh, CJ. We'll see if that happens. But yeah, I mean, they, they've looked very good offensively still, Damon CJ. But as far as this NERC injury, I, I agree with you that this is... Kind of like as ideal timing as it could be, in my opinion, just because there's a a good chance that he comes back at some point this season. Um, It's not like so early in the season where they're like, oh no, this sucks. It's, you know, yet again. I mean, Dane pretty much said that. He's like, it's always something every year, you know, but there's enough time to, you know, pick up a free agent if you need to, make a trade if you need to, just to bolster that front court. You're not going to find anyone to replace him unless you make like a big move for some reason. But. We'll talk in just a minute about potential guys that you could add to the lineup, but yeah, I mean, I said in our, our episode just right before the season started, I was arguing that a Nurk injury could be more important to this team than a Dame injury, um, just as far as Nurk being a defensive front court player. We don't have Zach Collins. That could be really key. I mean, we saw with, with Nurk fever when he first came to Portland, just how that totally transformed how the team played defense. So now that we have Ennis Cantor, who, by the way, Ennis Cantor has been playing really well. Obviously not the best defensive center, that's for sure. Um, but he has been playing really well um, in his role. But he's not going to be able to take on that defensive center role that Nurk does. So
1: Well, and talk about rotations, too. Everyone, I mean, everyone and their grandmother knows this, but talk about Melo and, and him on the, and Ennis <laughs> on the court at the same time. You know, um, he's, Melo's one of the older players in the league now. Of course he's going to get blown by. You think Ennis Cantor
0: is going to slide over in time? No. No, no way. And, and it's, it's a duo that works offensively where, you know, Melo misses his ISO shot and Cantor hopefully gets the offensive rebound and puts it in. But defensively it's uh, just as terrible as it is great on offense, if, if not even more terrible. And there, there's been some stretches where it's great, and I'm gonna just quickly tap on Mellow is still great, and Mellow hits clutch shots, and that's what I want from him. I want him to hit threes, and if it takes, you know, a couple possessions of ISO to get him warmed up, that's fine. If, if you're gonna keep on running to him every time, I'm gonna be like, what the heck are you doing? Like, this is clearly not working, but to be able to have him come in in the fourth quarter and hit clutch threes, he'll hit some in the in the third quarter too, that's great. That, that's what we want. We want ball movement. We, we don't want just stopping in the corner. You know, if, it, if it's working, keep going to it. If it's not working, move on quickly because it's not going to help you come back from any sort of deficit. Here's a great rule of thumb or, or best practice that the Blazers should begin
1: instituting with Carmelo Anthony on the floor. You're allowed to post up take your uh face up back down over the shoulder whatever whatever you want to do and have everyone stand in their respective areas and just sit there when there's 10 or less seconds left on the shot clock (laughs) i cannot christian i cannot watch one more possession especially after missed shots where we come down the court we rush they stop they stop the fast break everyone gets settled and Melo looks around a little bit. There might be one, maybe two passes on offense. Yeah. And then he just, he settles into that shot with 16 seconds left on the shot clock. It goes off the off the backboard. Yeah. It's like, ugh.
0: Yeah, like, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, because I feel like I'm saying it every episode, but stop taking these low percentage looks. Like, there is time on the shot clock to get some passes in to get more of a 50-60% shot rather than Melo backing up and hoping, you know, 30-40%, if that, that it's going to go in. It's like no like you have and the time to actually run a play and actually make sure that someone's open under the basket something like that and if it doesn't work give the, it to mellow and let him shoot
1: yeah and what are the big best big men do in the nba they fight for position they fight yeah. for position so what are you gonna do in the first 14 seconds of a shot clock get mm-hmm. better position mellow yeah. those shots that you're talking about christian i'll watch i'll watch him take those shots and it'll be like Two feet inside of the three-point line.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm like,
1: what? What are yeah. you doing? You're eight. You're 18 feet away from the basket. I, I probably yeah. just messed up my math there, but um, it, it, he's not. It's not a good shot. Just like yeah. you said, it, it would it would it would get you waved as a Ro- Houston Rocket. Um, <laughs> but I also have watched him get that position. He doesn't typically fight for. it. He kind of just ends up by happenstance acquiring it. Um, yeah. Get that position on the block, right wherever you play around the world. And that's a that's a much higher percentage shot. Yeah, that's a much higher percentage shot, and one that I can even lift with a couple misses from. Totally. If it's especially if it's later in the shot clock. But these, oh man, the only person with a Trailblazer uniform that should be taking any shot from that range is CJ McCollum.
0: Yeah. Oh. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, CJ has been killing at it. So, and and like you said, like he's just a couple feet inside the three point line. Well, guess what? Like if you take a couple steps back, even if you give up. Ten percent on on your percentage of getting it, it's fifty percent more points. <laughs> yeah. You know, and 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 the reason I
1: I, I say I don't say Dame uh, included in that shot uh, taking category is is not a discredit to his ability to make that shot so much as it is a credit to how effective he is getting to the rim or yeah. shooting the three ball. It's oh, like it, if you're Damian Lillard you don't take that shot because you know that you're just as effective at a shot that earns you either A, one more point, yep. or B, is like the highest percentage shot uh, aside from a free throw, which is just going to the rim.
0: Totally. And and you, ju- you just mentioned the Houston Rockets. I'm not going to say that James Harden wasn't, but Damian Lillard is like the Houston Rockets dream where it's, hey, he's either at the basket making it like pretty much every dang time because he's insane, or he's making these crazy three-pointers. Like that's just nothing but efficiency.
1: Is there a player in the NBA? So we have other players in the NBA that certainly have the first step that Dame has, especially since he's, you could argue, has maybe lost half a step in his age. But is there another player in the NBA that is able to, at his size, get their hand to the rim as 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 early and as far away and quicker than the defender, than anybody else in the NBA? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he, I'll watch him not even really blow by his defender. He'll get yeah. position, he'll get him on his back or on his side. And 9 times out of 10, they're bigger than him. And sure, yeah. he he just always gets that hand up right to the the bottom right window of the glass right before anyone can do anything. It's just it's yeah. that extension with his arm. He's I've tried to say this to friends that Maybe aren't super big Blazers fans down here for years. He Damian Lillard does not get enough credit as a finisher.
0: Absolutely, he's he's top. Yeah. I mean, he's top two as far as guards go. That's for sure. He's and, insane. Yeah. It, it blows yeah. my mind. Like almost every time, I'm like, oh, it's going in. Oh, it's going in, and yeah. it does. And it's just so. Ridiculous. So
1: that's why I say Damian Lillard should abstain from 18 yes. foot jump
0: shots. Totally.
1: Because why, why? What? Look at your opportunity cost.
0: Mm-hmm. But I will say, when he's on, Jamal Murray's kind of right there with him, and and Dame's got the wingspan. I don't know what Jamal Murray's wingspan is, honestly, but but Dame's got a pretty good. It's wingspan. not that
1: it's not that big, and I only know that because I just made a new my player bill, and, and he was compared <laughs> compared to him.
0: Nice, but yeah, I mean Jamal Murray is definitely a fun one to watch as far as finishing at the basket. So um, that that's another guy to look out for. But yeah, Dame is just insane. The stuff that he gets it's it's ridiculous so um let's get real quick into um oh actually i didn't even i didn't quite finish this thought as far as the nurk injury and and like his injury being more important to this team than a dame injury i will say the um the the way that cj has stepped up kind of adds to that point that i was making of hey like this team is like okay again no injury wishing whatsoever but like CJ can run this team in a lot of ways. Not every way. There's going to be a lot of things that would um, would certainly be effective, but Dame is extremely good, and CJ is extremely good, and CJ could benefit a lot from not having Dame next to him. Um, but my point before was, hey, Nurk is a defensive center. We really don't have any others on this team. Hopefully, Jerry Harry Giles steps up and plays amazing and is just like a star center because... He has that ceiling. Um, but, yeah, Nurk is very important to this team. With that being said, he didn't start off the season great. He he kind of had, like, in every other, or like, one in every three games, like, played amazing. And then, then the other ones, he's getting lazy on offense, getting lazy on defense, like he usually does. Doesn't go for rebounds he should. So, basically, uh, I don't think it's the end of the world, having a Nurk injury. But it does suck, and it's it's really going to affect him getting back into his rhythm. That's for dang sure, because it's going to be at least another eight weeks before we see him again, and it might take him a while to get back up to speed. So, yeah, I mean, you you really do hate to see it, and hopefully, he comes back stronger than ever, and hopefully, the Blazers are in a good spot. But yeah,
1: the last thing up. I'll say on that, Christian, is is it could go two directions. Offensively, one of the biggest issues with the Trail Blazers right now is they don't they don't pass the ball. They pass yeah. the ball once once or twice before a shot, or it's iso-dominant, ISO or maybe a pick-and-roll. Yep. So if I'm hearing that, oh, no, we lost Yusuf Nurkic, our passing big man, it's like, well, <laughs> wait a second. He wasn't even—even even when he was healthy, he wasn't doing enough of that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to be a situation of, you know, do we crumble or is steel going to sharpen steel? Because they're going to have to share the ball. They're gonna Absolutely. have to share the ball, and because you you can't depend on Harry Giles, right? Harry, Harry Giles, right? Is that his name? That sounded, yeah, I that tried sounded to call him
0: Jerry Hiles, but yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: and uh, 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 you can't depend on Ennis and him uh, for the same sort of playmaking. But I guess what I'm saying is that playmaking wasn't very productive. Yeah, it was a part of the system. This is what I was saying earlier. It was a part of the system, and it's something that everybody imagines as as uh, do or die with the yep. Blazers, which I would actually contest is uh, off-ball movement in screens um, around the perimeter. That's yeah. do or die for the Blazers. If we couldn't accomplish that for some reason, I'd be like, all right, throw the towel. That's it. That's our offense. Totally. But Yusuf Nurkic is not that productive this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think um, kind of like what you're saying as far as it being do or die, I think that the ISO and pick and roll has been a little bit of a crutch for the Blazers, where you got to get some more plays going. you got to get more ball movement. We all know, like, the Spurs back in the day, obviously they had Tim Duncan, all that. They weren't the greatest roster of players, but they had a great coach. They had great ball movement. Like, you mm-hmm. always knew they could find a way to score because they're just going to find the next open man, even if it and takes you six, know, eight, ten passes.
1: Yeah, and you always know the ball's going to stop at Carmelo, CJ, or Dane. Yeah. For the most oh. part, at least this year, that's what it looks like. That's what yeah. it looks like when we lose. The ball stops. They get a, a, a pretty difficult shot. And some of them go because they're CJ and Dame, and some of them don't.
0: Yeah. So hopefully, um, I mean, Dame had like a sick half-court lob to uh, Derek DJJ. Jones, so. And then on
1: the next play, he had a putback. So he was, exactly. he was feeling, he was feeling D- himself right there. Derek
0: Jones is wild. But, um, yeah, so hopefully with Harry Giles athletic center in there hopefully that's going to lead to more lobs I think I think lobs are a huge part of what the Blazers need to incorporate I mean it's kind of like a flashy part of the game that it makes sense as a fan like oh I want to see more lobs but we we see the Lakers we see like oh look LeBron's near the basket throw it up Anthony Davis got it Javel McGee's got it obviously he's not on the team anymore but I'm I'm big into lobs as something you can just rely on like hey just throw it up and this guy's there and it's going in um So I think that's something that could be huge for the Blazers to incorporate. And like I said about, like, pick and roll and stuff being a crutch, obviously pick and roll is huge and is really effective when done right. Um, But I think the Blazers need to explore some other avenues of offense, and I don't think that's reinventing the wheel. I think it's just making an extra pass or two, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah,
1: and also I just want to say, too, those screens I was just talking about, that do-or-die screen, that that action that's, like, almost that circus – action that's almost always going on if you watch if, if basically the ball doesn't settle that's what they're doing yeah. um what'll typically happen is the guard will get a shot or dame will continue to drive to the basket and then like do one of those dump bounce passes into the paint nurk will catch it maybe pump fake or and like take a shot yeah but um what's what's going to be interesting is use of nurkic is not one very fast or athletic uh, he has fantastic hands um but he's not like gonna take the ball make two moves to the rim bring another defender over and then like dime it out like yeah. he's not he's not that guy um so one thing I would I would I would hope to see is when those guards do that rotating perimeter you know screen double screen uh, incorporate these these big men that we have. Yeah. Um, not in the traditional sense, because what had happened in the past is if if Dame came off that second screen and they doubled him right there and he would give it back to Nurk, Nurk would do one of these. I know the audience can't hear me, <laughs> <I'm> but <watching. laughs> he'll do one of those where he'll stand there, he'll palm the ball and he'll hold it back and he'll yep. just and he'll just look and he'll just keep letting guards just run around. Yep. And um, that's cool, and he can do it, <laughs> but it's not productive. And yep. um, I think what would be really sexy and cool would be if uh, like Dame comes off that screen and gets double teamed and like Giles or I don't know who else would, would really uh, fill in in his place, really just Anis, um, were able to take that ball and rather than being stagnant or going like, Yusuf will dive to the rim at times, but he's not making, he's not, he's hardly ever making a move. Like, yeah. like, like they should catch that ball and like, I know Giles can do this. Make one or two moves, and you don't even have to go to the rim or finish at that point. You just have to do something, like yeah. be moving with the ball. And then by that time, uh, somebody else is is watching you. Derek Jones Jr. slashes to the rim. Uh, somebody covers him. You know, Dame's open. But it, it, when when the ball stops, the creativity stops, and yeah. and, and and the open looks stop. So, anyways, yeah. that, was, that was much too long-winded uh, for what I would initially. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're good, you're good. So, as far as, um, like, the Blazers basically have, what, like, two big men right now? They have Ennis Cantor and Harry Giles, because th- the hope was to have a four-headed monster with Zach Collins and Nurk, but Zach Collins is yeah. going to miss a lot of time, and, and Nurk's going to miss a lot of time. So, we're basically looking at two big men for the most part. So
1: Unlimited two-way contracts now, right? I be- or I'm sorry, I not unlimited. Mean, uh, uh, the deadline. The, the dead. Yeah, yeah. Bring on as many as you like. Um, <laughs> have a sort of um, uh, gladiator like practice. <laughs> um, but, uh, right. No, the the deadline is 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 um, non-existent, right? Like basically, the way I had read it online via like Mark Steiner, one of those guys, was uh, you know, last year it was january like 15th or something or standard wise it's like the 15th of january but then this year because of the nature of the covid situation they're just saying you can pick up two-way contracts whenever Um, obviously in the regular season but
0: yeah i mean i'm not certain on it i know like in the last 24 hours they've talked about adding another two-way roster spot so because of all
1: these um uh that's what a solution Instead of just inhibiting <laughs> spread and, and risk to players, there let's just more get more. We got more players.
0: <laughs> and that was one thing. It was it was the stupidest thing. I was on Twitter, and it was like uh, the Nets had 15 players play in an NBA game for the first time ever. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this uh, took this long to happen. And it's like it's never been allowed before, so of course it took this long to happen. <laughs> like
1: what? <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: It was so dumb. Yeah. There's
1: certain um, certain records I don't really think are ever gonna be broke or hopefully won't be broke, right? Yeah, like right. Bubble sc- bubble scoring leader. It's like we don't want another bubble anytime <laughs> soon,
0: for real. Okay, so as far as um, adding another player to the big man mix with Nurk out for exp- extended time, Zach Collins out for extended time. Looking just at uh, first at free agents, we could t- talk about trade a little bit if you have some ideas. But as far as free agents, I'll say there's there's like three like. Maybe of the, the best potential players that the Blazers could go for. Um, and these, these are all centers. So I'm, I'm looking at John Henson. He's available right now. He's not terrible. I mean, like, hopefully no one thinks any of these players are terrible, but um, they're not going to, no one's going to, like, solve all of our problems whatsoever. It's just for extra depth. Um, and if they play well, maybe they get some, some significant minutes. Um, but Dwayne Dedman, he's not bad at basketball. Tyson Chandler, he's old. But, uh, you know, if, if, if you're going to take an injury risk on Tyson Chandler, I mean, hopefully we'll get NERC back at some point. So even if Tyson Chandler were to come in and get injured after a few weeks, like, it's not the end of the world. Um, I've watched Deadman
1: the lease. I, I, I have the, my, my generic idea around him. I think he was in Sacramento, right? he was at some point
0: he's been around i think he was in yeah. sacramento i know he's been I mean, on the he's hawks a, been a, yeah he he's
1: a, he's like a true center right i mean he's like he's he's an athletic dude who will defend the paint and you know get some putbacks and stuff but i don't
0: i don't ever really hear of him ever in terms of like focal point of an offense right uh definitely not like focal point of an offense but yeah <laughs> I mean, he, he's been solid i mean he's he's been around since 2013 in the league um he's he's not going to make a move or two to the rim He's going to be underneath
1: the rim. He's going to carve out space and and sit there
0: and bully somebody, right? Probably. I mean, <laughs> I'm, Ty, the, Tyson Chandler is too old. I mean, obviously um, he's old. That's for danger. Sure.
1: Uh, however, I would say, I mean, yeah, he's really old, man. Um, yeah. so, John Henson is a really good one. I really like that. Um, yeah. I, re- I really liked watching him play in Milwaukee.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll say those are the three, like, kind of, like, traditional big men that the Blazers could just just pick up and plug in if they need to, um, but then I have, like, kind of two other categories, and one category is um, not necessarily big men, but, like, forwards, maybe, you know, power forwards, that if the Blazers wanted to opt for, I know people were talking about, like, oh, uh, Robert Covington has played some center in his day, and he was pretty good. It's like, yeah, I mean, that was with the Rockets, so <laughs> of course he's playing center, but you know, if that's what it comes down to, I'm sure he'd play great. Um, so we could pick up someone like Wilson Chandler, Damari Carroll. Those are guys that I like. Um, if they're willing to come to the the Blazers for the minimum, that'd be great. Um, so obviously it wouldn't necessarily solve your big man problems, but it would add some depth so that you can have some more small ball lineups. Um, and then more back to, uh, this other category, which is former Blazers. There's one of these that I would love to have back. Um, but I'm looking at Vonley, Anthony Tolliver, which you know he had a couple of really good games for the Blazers, but a lot of people had complaints. Um, or Labissier. Scal is available right now. I personally Get him. Get would love Scal. to have Scal back. That would be amazing.
1: Yeah. Yes, please.
0: I, I like Vonley, too. I'll take Tolliver if if it you know if we just want a little extra depth and want some uh, some well centered leadership. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm dude, all about getting scout back so
1: scout packs that thing man his jump shot oh my gosh it was beautiful
0: oh yeah dude it was so. like a
1: little catapult he'd just bring that bring those elbows up and it would feel like the ball would go back forever right yeah right he's so he's so long and he would just it was just so textbook I wish you guys could see this little jump shot motion <laughs> I'm doing for Christian but um yeah I mean obviously we all reflect on that game with Anthony and him to close out uh, I think it was two years ago um, but I think even outside of that there were games where we watched him really um, he's just like he's one of those guys that you have to account for Yeah. at all at basically like all traditional le- like traditional levels and then some like as a center yeah. um, he's got the jump shot he can he can pass he's not like a you know you give the ball to Hassan you're like oh I hope I get it back <laughs> Maybe next week. Like, yeah. But, yeah, no, I really like those. Um, well, then what do you – why am I not hearing too much about JaVale McGee or uh, DeMarcus Cousins from you? See,
0: well, <laughs> I doubt we'd get DeMarcus Cousins. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, as far as trades go, for me, I'm, I'm looking straight at JaVale McGee personally. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the Cavs or the Pistons that we'd go for because they just – who the heck knows what they're doing and they have big men to spare. So – yeah, I mean, JaVale's kind of the main one, and you'd have to make a trade somehow. I think what probably makes the most sense, feel free to shut me down on this, but I think it kind of makes sense to trade Zach Collins as far as uh, contracts go. Um, I don't so, have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, JaVale McGee's the good one. That You're, you're going to get the lobs in. You know, he, he makes some boneheaded plays, but he's really tightened things up the last few years, I think, with his championships with the... Warriors and Lakers, he's been a key part of both those teams. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally for trading for Jabail McGee. Um, Which, by I, the way, congrats to him, man. He's had a meteoric, uh, uh,
1: basically redesign uh reinvent reinventing himself
0: i don't know man like, he's just fun like he's he's been all over the place he's you know he's tragic bronson he you don't gets know some lobs he gets some crazy blocks he's fun did
1: you watch to a fool ever oh, yeah when oh, we were yeah. younger
0: tragic Bronson. oh my bro. gosh
1: he might as well have been the host
0: <laughs> it might have exactly. been a, it
1: might as well have been Javelin a fool <laughs> He was on it so much.
0: Oh, every single he, game. It was ridiculous. And he
1: took stupid shots. And he trained I watched that was one of the players that I watched train every offseason. And anytime there was a premier forward that was training or was like hot on the free agency market, guess who he was training with? JaVale. Yeah. They they he was always working the whole time. I'd always be like, Oh, it looks like Hakeem's working out with so and so, and I'd be like, who's that over his right shoulder? JaVale's there. And, I mean, a lot of these guys share the same training camps and, and, yeah, yeah. and, you know, Hall of Fame coaches, but he was there every single summer, every video
0: I really watched with yeah. um, centers and power forwards. Crazy. So, he's worked. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love to have JaVale McGee. If we, could, if we could trade for him and it makes sense, I say go for it. I think that, honestly, that could put the team over the top. I mean, that's kind of a low bar, but... Having him and then potentially having Nurk come back from injury, it's going to be a loaded front court. But yeah, and he's I hit, when
1: was the last time you watched a, an, a, a play? And I, I get it; he's on, he was with the Warriors for a period of time, <laughs> so it's 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 tough when they're ever stagnant offensively. But when was the last time you watched a play where JaVel McGee just kind of just sat there? Oh, dude
0: and and he he wrecks the blazers too like that's probably like, why he because gets so... every time like nurk's just standing there and he gets a lob over him it's like he's I know always nurk's moving than him, but man yeah
1: yeah always moving and even if so even if he doesn't bring that what some th- uh, feel is a uh, uh absolute necessity uh standing at the top of the key passing with a palmed ball like nurk does <laughs> um i think he's gonna be honestly that's a player that could be more productive and, and really quick Christian. I do want to say uh, to anyone who's listening out there that might uh, think we're being insensitive to this in our situation at the outset of this discussion, I had said, you know, considering him as a person, this is a lot to, oh, to totally. digest. And, and we, and we, we are really looking forward to him, uh, having either, A, uh, uh, an, injury, an injury-less an injury career for the remainder of his time as a Blazer and, <laughs> yeah. and go on to be a very productive guy or at the very least have some peace and uh, as little pain and residual pain as possible. So um, yeah. that I mean, being like, said, we've had to ask this question so much now. Mm. Uh, as Not just specific to him, but just, like, in terms of a being a Blazers fan, that we have – unfortunately, our reality is these are the questions we've asked ourselves so often now that it's just like, all right, what do we do? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, and and yeah. honestly, like, you know, people say prayers up. Like, prayers up for Nurk. Like, praying for Nurk because it's not easy to get injured all the time. You know, obviously, like, a broken wrist as a multimillionaire is not, you know – the worst thing in the world but things pile up and and you know he he lost his grandma to covid and he you know it's it can be very hopeless season of life for nurk right now so just um praying that he can um just see good through it all you know but it's uh definitely not fun to see for him or as a blazers fan um yeah yeah, so.
1: if, you, if you're not like a if you're not like a single mother like struggling to support people or like basically just someone who's like struggling to port, support yourself i don't want to hear all that um you know i have seen i have seen on 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 twitter all the time where people where lebron will be advocating for social justice and they'll be like oh like nba players don't have social justice it's like man shut up <laughs> shut up like yeah. um this stuff exists for people um so to i'm sure there are a degree of people out there that are like oh he's a He's a millionaire. Like he'll be fine or something. I know that's not what you were where you were saying, yeah, Christian. Yeah. But um, you know, if you have enough to, to to feed your mouth and like you're doing all right right now in this time of COVID, and and the first thing you think of is that when you're looking at an NBA player, yeah. you you value money too much. Mm. You don't understand uh, what it means to to lose a loved one mm-hmm. and 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 have your job inhibited. Um, by uh, constant injuries.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So, yeah, it, screw, screw the money, screw the pool by the lake, whatever. Um, <laughs> that's got to be tough.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Um. So, yeah, prayers up for nerd.
0: So uh, back to players to bring in for the Blazers. Phil McGee's great. I will say, if the Blazers got Scal back, t- tell me about how you feel about this lineup, okay? Remember uh, against the Kings when Anthony Simons and Scal just ab- absolutely obliterated the, uh, obliterated yeah. them in game 82 yeah. a couple years ago? Okay. F- get
1: Best games to watch. It was over. Did it go to overtime too?
0: That's how um, they were able to
1: run it up maybe so much.
0: F- oh. He either hit a game winner or it went to overtime and they hit a game winner. I don't remember. Um, yeah. It was wild though. It was a oh, long shoot, night I and I loved remember. every bit of it. Yeah. It was like six or seven players played and they just went insane. Um, but anyway... Simons and Scal, get them on the court together. Maybe like Gary Trent, maybe Monsieur Little, or if you want some more lobs, I mean Nasir Little takes lobs too, but if you want some more lobs, Derek Jones, and then maybe Harry Giles too. Just Simons just throwing up lobs to everyone and then getting Gary Trent for some threes. That could be a really fun garbage time lineup, that's for sure.
1: That's And you know what? That's not even... The style of ball that that group would play needs to happen within our starting lineup. Oh, yeah. Right? Because yeah. that you know that that group of guys, all of them can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. All of them can put it off the deck. Yep. And all of them are, uh, I don't know what the word, high-energy guys.
0: Yeah. and
1: um, High-motor, what is it, right? Isn't it yeah, like, yeah, motor, like motor? A,
0: yeah. I think that's key. Like, like, Dame and CJ have the skill to stop the ball, and CJ, you know, dribble around, get some points. Dame drives straight to the basket. But – I say just kind of like, go ham, use your energy, and bring in these energy guys. You know, like, keep the ball moving. Keep keep running around the court. Yep. And then, oh no, we have to bring in Harry Giles. You know, like, like use your energy and go crazy. And if you have to bring in the young guys, bring in the young guys. I mean, that's really easy for me to say. I will say, I have no energy lately. So, um, really easy for me to say from, from <laughs> you know, this desk. But, yeah, I mean, the Blazers... Obviously, the NERC injury is not going to help, but they they have depth, and they have guys to bring in, and there could be a lot of really fun lineups, and we just want to see more movement, more ball movement, um, see the Blazers not just stopping, stopping the ball whenever it gets to CJ, whenever it gets to Melo, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So what's what's next on our lineup of topics? Lineup, we are already going pretty long, but let's uh, let's talk just briefly about these recent games. The Blazers had that four-game win streak. Um, things looked great in the Timberwolves game. Things looked great in the Kings game. Raptors game, Blazers had they were down like the entire game and then just barely got it right at the end. Um, yeah, Raptors and they almost came back, hit the next, a game winner.
1: It was the next night against the Kings. You said for the other twenty-point comeback.
0: Yes, it was. 2 yeah. 20 point deficits essentially it was like they were down by 20 they got it back to within 3 and then they went down like 19 i believe and then they came back and won it and it was And like, then
1: did they did they have the back to back the following night like after that cuz it wasn't those those 20 point comebacks were not consecutive days
0: yeah they and were And then
1: not. my understanding is if not that if not the comeback to Sacramento very shortly thereafter they had a back to back so i'm curious when that happened
0: yeah so it was the back-to-back with that Kings game and then the Pacers game that they lost and the Pacers we haven't even talked about this James Harden trade we'll talk about it in a minute but Pacers traded Victor Oladipo to the Rockets they're getting Karis Levert but they didn't have him yet Um, so I just found out
1: that Oladipo there's no n it's not Olandipo I thought it was Olandipo Olandipo for so long it's Oladipo I think Orlando
0: Depot yeah Oladipo yep yeah cool (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, That's, yeah
1: just in case anyone was curious yeah yeah yeah
0: believe it or not there's no end there um uh, so yeah the, the Blazers lost to the Pacers um but yeah okay that Kings game really encouraging to see them come back from two giant deficits obviously not encouraging to see them be in deficits in the first place um I will say I think it was after that game when Dame was making those venturous comments and it's like him and CJ both had I think 25 plus points five plus three pointers made and ten plus assists each I believe were the numbers which is crazy and just shows how good of a backcourt they are but it's like that's that was when Dame was bringing up the like oh you said Westbrook and Beal are better than us really mm-hmm. you know but at the same time it's like okay you came back from these deficits but you realize you got yourselves in two 20 point deficits like that's mm-hmm. that's not good and, and the thing is mm-hmm. like, okay first off I will say, the Blazers' defense has looked a lot better than we can give them credit for. I will say that. You're, you're saying they're getting eaten up by screens. I agree. At the same time, almost every play in that Kings game, there's a hand in the guy's face, and they're just making it. You know, like Honestly, it hasn't been as bad oh, yeah. as we've seen in, in recent uh, weeks and in recent years, where they're just not closing out on three-pointers. Uh, three it's, it's been fairly decent in most of these games. Not all of them, not every play. But for the most part, it's like, dang, they really made that shot, you know? Um, But for that game specifically, it's like, okay, you got a 20 point deficit against the Kings, really? Okay, you came back from it, that's great. But guess what? Kings are about like one of three teams that you can actually do that even on your best game. Like the Pacers, you get that 20 point deficit, I thought they had a chance because they don't have Oladipo. You know, they're depleted. Maybe they're, like, questioning where the front office is at. They have a new coach, all that. It's like, maybe they can come back. But pretty much any team but the Kings, you're not coming back from those those deficits. You're no, not, You're not getting no. 20 points back. So And the Kings
1: um, had set a franchise record for, like, most consecutive 120-point or more games they had gotten scored on, like, oof. this year. So yeah. they had – and it was – Luke Walton just looked like he was about to cry in the picture. But <laughs> he – it was – yeah, it was like seven games in a row that they had allowed their opponent to score more than 120 points or something. So, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah you can do that against the Kings, especially this yeah. year. Yeah. So it's like, yes, it's great that you came back and won it. I am not encouraged by that game, though, because that's not Unbill, happening against not anyone else, okay? No. Like, you can't leave that game and be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Like, got that comeback, what up? like you you got to you got to realize whoa something is going wrong we just went down 20 points multiple times against this really bad team um, and i'm so it, tired of seeing dane throw his hands up when he doesn't get a no call
1: it's like dude yeah and the way that he responds to these refs like i i i am hearing all the Blazers fans on twitter right now You're like when mm, he doesn't get the calls that other superstars do <laughs> it's like well i personally don't see other superstars respond in this manner all the time when they don't get these calls i tweeted out the other night like dude flexing and like intimidating the ref if i was a ref even if i was trained thousands of hours on being like non like like keeping non-biases and whatnot if you like were another grown man and like and like and like basically puffed out your chest and put your fist together and then like like kind of looked like you were walking towards me and i was in a position of authority to give you less calls like what are you doing what are you doing (laughs) you can be like Look, some of the—seriously, like, I've seen him—I say this because I've seen him walk over to refs. Yeah. Like, it's a dead ball. He'll say, hey, man, look, what's going on, whatever. Mm -hmm. But he's just kind of throwing fits this year. And it's like, dude, first of all, a lot of the fits are being thrown behind the three-point line where he's trying to draw the foul. Stop yep. doing it. If they're not totally. calling it across the league as much as they used to, which they're mm-hmm. not, stop doing it. Even And and Lamar Hurd has said on our broadcast at times, uh, oh, that was a good call. Dame will see that in, in film, whatever. I don't care. You, that's not your offense. You should yeah. not rely on that as your offense. And um, I would tell you that if Dame did less of that, and and relied on that finishing ability that for years I've been saying I need to go back and find audio snippets on our show oh, but totally. for years I've been saying he's a premier finisher and does yes. not get to the rim enough um, it's a joke because if yeah. he did that if he did that enough it's a game of numbers if he does yeah. that enough he and his teammates react and and he reacts in a uh, in a manner where he's still clearly discontent with the call. Um, it's going to turn. Either yeah. the numbers are going to turn, you're going to start getting the buckets, or you're going to do something different offensively. Um, but that's just not happening right now. Yeah. Um, and then CJ, I, I said I wasn't going to do this, Christian, but I'm going to do it real quick.
0: Here's,
1: here's, here's my grievances towards our star players that no one wants to talk about on social media. Here we go. CJ has the nerve to go in front of everybody and say, I'm a shark what i do first of all <laughs> that press conference was laughable it's like dude you're a professional basketball player like kudos to you great work i'm sure like mentally you're you're on cloud nine you're you to be a professional to be this elite you you do have things figured out but he sounded like an asshole when he was up there um and i i don't i don't typically curse on this show very much but like he, he sounded like an ass and um Dame was like staring down a local media desk jockey that mm-hmm. nobody respects on Blazers Twitter. It's a joke. Yeah, I'm actually really disappointed in
0: mm-hmm. our
1: leadership, in our, in our team. I'm really disappointed in it. Um, I've seen Dame in the past display a championship attitude where it's like, oh, I'm doing me. Uh, the rest can get along for the ride. It's flame balls and 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 it's 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 zip it and I'm yeah. getting to the I'm winning and and it's like this 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 uh, thing that we're drawn to as Blazers fan that we love and and is is is, is has given him this um, title this unofficial title as the best leader in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But they're moving away from that right now. They're yeah. getting frustrated and I get it. They're in COVID. Dame's voices concerns about having to social distance. Um, Nurk, uh, I'm, I'm not even going to include Nurk in this discussion because he—he's—I don't consider him uh, core leadership. Core leadership is, is CJ and Dame. Yeah. Um, and CJ having one of the best years of his career is like satisfied. He might sit up there and like and say like these kind of like ball player like neutral responses, but yeah. I can I can tell you from from body language from uh, the, the messaging that they're putting out. And and um, how they're acting on the court, like they're not playing, or are acting like championship players right now. Hmm. Um, they're not. Yeah. So um, they're acting like star NBA players
0: mm-hmm.
1: that make a lot of money and are <laughs> uh, are like some of the best. But like they're 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 not. Um, I don't know if it's just because like our our locker rooms shifted around a bit. And like, there's been so much media hype around us, and um, honestly, they're starting to get more credit. Um, yeah, they're starting yeah. to get the credit that they should have gotten years ago. Yeah. Um, on the globe. I watch Global News every morning, four or five in the morning, for two hours. And Dame has been on on, on BBC and Al Jazeera for the last three weeks. They've had literal segments on Global News where they'll be like, Damian wow. Lillard exploded for forty points. I'm like, this is this is nuts. This is nuts. <laughs> I was, I was, news. you know, like I'm, i I'm, I'm a Port, I'm a Portland fan. I'm used to like being like, why is he getting what he deserves? Oh. And it's like, <laughs> he got, he got, his third album out. He got the cover of 2K, mm-hmm. and he got to the Western Conference Finals recently. And it's, it's, yeah, I know it's not what they're saying out, like verbatim, but it's kind of just like we. It feels a lot like they're just like we're we've arrived. We want to do more, mm-hmm. but we've arrived. Yeah, and we got a little bit comfortable. And and, mm-hmm. and and who knows? Maybe I'm I'm reading too much into this, and I'm I'm completely off base here. But um, yeah, it's been really frustrating to watch. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I I'd say I can understand um, the frustration of you know going into work every day feeling like other people are getting calls and you're not getting calls like I can understand the frustration I can understand in in one form or another it reaches a tipping point at some point and uh we're kind of there I will say like some other stars like LeBron and Chris Paul definitely complain just Mm -hmm. as much if not more probably James Harden too um but I agree that you know I I for the most part do not like fouls in basketball like unless it's very clear, like, just let him play. I'm tired of this game stopping every five seconds, you know, like that kind of thing. So I'm never going to jump on board with, yeah, Dame, keep on trying to draw fouls from the three-point line. Keep on complaining about this. Like, I'm never going to be happy about that necessarily. Um, I'm, I'm, There's plenty of times where I'll get frustrated that he's not getting calls that I, I think he should, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's excessive. I'm never going to be like, yeah, just keep on, like, Taking a completely unnatural shot just so you hit that yeah. guy's wrist, and then you know now you have a foul. It's like that's just dumb. That's
1: and like, it's 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 what I, they I've keep never been doing.
0: A yeah, yeah. So so I'm on board with you with you there as far as like, hey, just just play the game of basketball, and you know, if if you get fouled, you get fouled. But like just trying to get contact, obviously like it's smart, and and that's something that's kind of hard for the refs to take out of the game, but. I'm I'm never really gonna be a fan of that. So you know, I'm with you on most of that. i I will say that, you know, like I said, it it's understandable to get frustrated in your in your day job when it seems like there's injustice, you know, like, oh, so and so is getting all these calls and I'm not getting these, like, hey, I just got smacked in the face and you're not even gonna call that. You know, like that that makes sense. Um, but but I agree there's there's a little bit less uh, tenacity and drive and a little more like, routine, going through the motions, like, okay, let's get this foul, let's move on, let's get this foul, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, like, let's let's go prove ourselves night in and night out. Um, but, again, that that's really hard to sustain for, for years on end. Yeah. Obviously, Dame is still loyal, Dame is still a great leader, um, I think there's a lot of growth that this team needs, like we've talked about on offense, just ball movement, things like that, on defense, all that, but I think Dame is still a great leader, still very loyal, this is still a really good team, and Still very fun to watch. He's still my favorite player, no matter what. Um, so, yeah, I agree with a lot of the things you said, and I don't think it's necessarily black and white. Like, oh, they've they've switched, and now they now they've just arrived, and they don't care about all. No, these things I, yeah, no. I ne- but, neither do yeah.
1: I. Neither do I. Um, I yeah. think I think that it reminds me. It feels a lot like when um, I was a junior at Camus, and we got to the fir- It was the state semifinals, I think. And so, like, we went to, like, the hotel, right? Like, that was the first time yeah. that we had to stay to play a, f- a football game. And I'll never forget how stupid everybody was. Like, <laughs> just that night. Like, they were like, oh, we're not going to stay up until 3 and, like, try to sneak booze into the hotel or anything. But, like, we're going to, you know, crack jokes, be on our phone till like, 11 p.m. when we're supposed mm-hmm. to, you know, eat this diet. Do this. Go to bed. Yeah. But, like, we were excited. And and it yeah. was justifiable. And the Blazers should be – Damien Lillard and, and, and CJ and the Blazers should be ecstatic about the national respect. I won't say recognition. Respect. Because they weren't even getting respect for, for years. Um, yeah. They should be excited about that. But they're having a little bit of a pizza party like we did in the hotel. That's what it looks like as, as, <laughs> as a fan. It's, yeah. like, it's like, hey, you know, I'm a shark. I'm a shark, baby. Everyone told me I'm going to be an all-star this year. <laughs> and then Dame's yeah. like, you said we're not the best backcourt in the NBA. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, by, uh, by default, since Clay's out and S- Steph's an MVP candidate. Yeah. So, and also, one last thing on that topic, on that Fentress comment Um, I actually took a sports journalism course as a part of my degree, and um, Mm -hmm. this issue of beat writers getting buddy-buddy with the teams that they cover has been an issue for decades. Like, ever since there were writers that that started in the Northeast for the MLB, and there were writers Mm. that followed these teams around, and uh, they basically began excluding them from certain amenities on the trip um, unless they gave them favorable coverage and it's crap that's not what journalism's about that's not what it's yeah, about people can have their own opinions and be the Portland trip in fact I think there's a, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave them nameless because I, I don't we haven't formally connected but there's somebody on, 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 on Twitter who was a, a key part of Blazer's Twitter in years past and in posting videos and highlights and whatnot. and um, now they cover the 76ers and um, yeah. I, I don't think they're a 76ers fan but they do it they do it <laughs> excellently um, yeah, and so that's why I said regarding the Fentress thing, I said if there's anything I'm upset about, it's the objectively poor take. He's a he's yeah. a sports journalist, so that's fine. It doesn't have to be. I said I wasn't upset upset about it not being Dame. That's crap, and right. Dame should grow up. Yeah. That's that's not his job to just tell you how good you are. Um, mm. So, I was mad that he said Russell Westbrook because Wes, Russell Westbrook was listed. <laughs> <laughs> on a demographic, I, I'm sorry, an infographic that I saw by ESPN recently as one of the most disappointing players this year, oh, uh, yeah. and that was basically oh, newly yeah. acquired by by a franchise.
0: So, and and when a guard cannot even like shoot threes, like he's gone down three point percentage like every yeah, season. The last yeah, and Bradley
1: Beal we like, know is one of the top three worst. Like star guards Like defensively I'm sorry Defensively I forgot to say that uh, <laughs> uh, wor- Like worst Defensive star guards and-, and you couple that With Westbrook Dude the Wizards are crap So that was just A bad take Like if I was Dame yeah. I'd be like Really man Like you're not even Going to talk about How Steph has it Like be a professional I understand to a degree You have to tell yourself You're the best Whatever If you want to be the best I-, I get that But um, yeah. I don't know I would have liked those, you know, be like, well, you know, it's a tough one, Aaron, but I wouldn't have said. And 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 that's where you and that's why you just stay out of it, right? Because in order to yeah. leave it as a more nuanced answer, it wouldn't be that neutral, uh, uh, politically accepted athlete response. Because because Dame because mm-hmm. then Dame would have to start naming players. And when is when was yeah. the last time you heard of? You don't even – DeMarcus Cousins didn't even just by name call out James Harden the other day when he was dogging him in a press conference. So Dame and CJ aren't about to get up there and go, well, I think I'm better than Russell Westbrook, but I think I'm more closely – it's like, dude, that's why the best of the best don't care what a local sports journalist commented on a tweet that had like eight favorites, like initially. (laughs) Like, that's sad. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that kind of stuff I'm talking about where I say, like, I think that there's this kind of we've arrived or you should – don't you see all this respect that's now coming around? like And it's like, no, you guys are still pulling Blazers crap. We're still going yeah. down by 20 points in the first yeah. or second quarter every time. You're still taking these crap forced threes. Um, the mm-hmm. ball stops at CJ. Fortunately, this year, that's not a bad thing. Like, um, yeah,
0: it's been great. It, so <laughs>
1: – that's, those are my grievances. I, w- I wanted to air uh, this this yeah. Saturday morning.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate um, your grievances. <laughs> um, I will file it with our complaint department. Gracias. Um, so, uh, real quick, let's uh, let's look toward closing this out. I have one one point I wanted to make, and then I wanted to cover that James Harden trade. Um, so, my my quick point. This is this is totally out of left field. But a couple weeks ago when we were talking about, like, our predictions for this season, um, standings and all that, I talked about the Nets specifically. And, and, again, James Harden trade coming up. We'll talk about the Nets more. But how Kevin Durant, like, is never worse than, like, a three seed. Like, unless there's significant injury, all that. Kevin Durant's always, he's, like, a top He's three a great seed. general so, manager. So, yeah. <laughs> he always so, finds like,
1: himself on the right
0: team. Yes. So the Nets, you know, being a top three, top four seed should be a lock if things go well. Um with that being said, something that I neglected, I I said before, the Phoenix Suns are good. The Phoenix Suns are a playoff team. Chris Paul helps them. Chris Paul always makes the playoffs. I was looking back into things. Chris Paul's like always a top four seed. Really? Always a top four seed in the West. Last year he's on the OKC Thunder, terrible team. Obviously they had Gallinari. They you know they had some good young pieces. They had some good defense. Chris Paul is on that you know pretty dang bad team. What about what about later They're years? What seed. about later years in New They're Orleans? You know, I, I didn't look too far back. I know he was good with New Orleans. I know he's never really gone l- too far in the playoffs. Let's
1: not discredit Sam Presti here, because similar to Kevin Durant, the Thunder uh, on paper, everyone's oh this is crap. Oh, this is a crap team. And then what are we seeing all this preseason? SGA man, SGA. <laughs> he's going to be the next big thing. Oh, the Jets door is is pretty good. Like it's it, it, yeah. It, so they're they're good. I'm not saying that they're top four, though, in the West. That's 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 pretty impeccable. But Danilo Gallinari, that's another great. These yeah. these are guys that um, don't need the ball, but when they have it, they're productive.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. I mean, th- like, they, they had pieces, that's yeah. for sure. But no one was projecting them as a playoff right. team. And they got the five seed and were tied with the Rockets for four seed. I mean, obviously, like, they were the five seed. But, like, they were good enough to be the four seed. Um, and that was on the Thunder team. I mean, obviously, like, with the Clippers, Lob City, yeah, he's going to be a top-four seed. But Yeah, I forgot about Phoenix his time Suns, in, in, he's got, with,
1: with L.A. I completely forgot oh, about that.
0: Oh, totally. <laughs> um, Devin Booker, you know, DeAndre Ayton, that's something. Um, th- This Phoenix Suns team is, I think, better than the Thunder team last year. I think they have a really good shot to be a top-four seed. I predicted them at eight before. Um, I would not doubt if they are top four. I got season. money
1: riding on this. I told you about this.
0: That that the Blazers are a higher seed. Yeah, compared. I said to my
1: buddy at 2K Max, I said, uh, um, I, he, said uh, he said, the Suns are going to be great this year, bro. He said, Western Conference Finals or something. I said, what? I said, are you serious? And I said, I'll bet you any amount. I said, I'll bet you any amount of money that the Blazers outseed the Suns. And he's like, all Oof. right, you're on. He's like, 50 bucks. And like he actually okay. he didn't talk to me for a couple of days because I think he realized how like like at least on paper how bad of a bet that was. Yeah, yeah. But then now I'm like, oh, yeah,
0: you know, Nurk injury doesn't oh. help. Um, yeah, I mean, if Blazers get someone like McGee, could could be in a good position. Whatever but, it's fifty bucks. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I feel high about the Blazers. Feel high about the Suns. We'll see how things play out. But yeah, I mean, Chris Paul added to that roster could be really good. They're they're. A half game ahead of the Blazers right now. They're they're at four. Uh, they're at the fourth in the West, and Blazers are fifth. So there's that. Um, but real quick, let's get into that James Harden trade. Okay, I'm gonna give the full lowdown on what happened. Essentially, James Harden was like, "No, for real, like I want out of here. This is dumb." John Wall's like. Really, dude, you know, and then they're like, okay, let's let's. And like, then Demarcus Cousins this was, was like,
1: the much. disrespect that's been going on since early. Did you see that part too? Oh, yeah, you, you saw his part of the press conference, yep. right? Because yep. John Wall was a nice guy, and then Demarcus Cousins was like, mm-hmm. listen, man, I love, I'm sorry, I love Demarcus Cousins. Continue, yeah,
0: yeah. John, Wall, John Wall's like, oh, like, don't give up on us <laughs> so quick, it's still the start of the season. Um. Demarcus Cousins is like, this is crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so here's what every team received there are four teams involved, Cavs. Nets Rockets, which obviously Nets and Rockets is who traded James Harden directly, and then the Pacers. So Cavs, I think they're looking great. They got Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. I don't know what the heck they gave up. I think they gave up the the Cavs pick in twenty twenty two. It says via the Bucks. Yeah, it was mostly okay. Brooklyn that anyway. gave up
1: picks, I believe. It was I don't believe they lost yeah. too many. If not any.
0: If if you're trading a pick for Jarrett Allen, who is like already like, okay, that's a solid NBA player, and he has high upside, and he gets blocks on star guys, you know? I like Jared Allen a lot. Um, so him and Torian Prince, that's great for the Cavs. Get some some good young dudes. Um, Nets got James Harden and a second-round pick, which is not a lot for what they gave up, and honestly no. they have a lot less depth than they had. They're, they're not terrible at depth, but they pretty much have their, their top five guys and then a, a couple decent players off the bench and then a bunch of guys you've never heard of. So, um, How injury-prone especially... are
1: those guys, right? I mean, KD, KD yeah. they say that KD's injury is one of the toughest to recover from. I don't know how easy it is to yeah. kind of relapse into that injury, but um, it, Harden's very durable. Ky, Ky, yeah. What about Kyrie? I, he's, I mean, he's just not present just because. um and well hold on let me let me rewind on that because i gotta i gotta give my woke i gotta give my woke listeners some some uh respect on this one Kyrie is very active in the community he was he was on a local uh he missed it he missed a game or something or whatever due to i don't i think it was due to pro covid protocols and he was on a like a local uh school boards uh uh call like like something that none of us would want to do even as a parent basically yeah like yeah um and he's donated a ton of money, uh, to social justice, uh, activism. And so he, he is, um, walking his talk, I guess, I guess what a lot Mm -hmm. of people are frustrated with him is that, um, you can, you can simultaneously walk, uh, another talk that, that still accomplishes, Mm -hmm. uh, some of those goals. Um, but Hey man, it's not quite as loud of a message. And if that's what he's trying to do, then he's his own guy. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, he, he's active in, in his community, he's af- active at his sister's birthday party, <laughs> he has to sit out a week of games because of it, yeah. you know, he's an active yeah. dude. Um, <laughs> that was but good. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say, I'll just say um, he for the amount of money he gets paid, like, he's, he's his own man, let him do his thing, for the amount of money he's getting paid, um, if I were a Nets fan, I would appreciate a little more Notice. focus on the team. You know that kind of thing. I'll just say that uh, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, I will say James Harden and Kyrie Irving—they both need the ball in their hands. Um, there's like like Keith was saying a couple weeks ago, this this could hopefully be a train wreck just waiting to happen. As a Blazers fan, I would love to see see that. Love to see the Blazers beat the Nets in the in the uh, in the NBA Finals. That'd be really fun to watch. Um, but l- love to see uh, C.J. McCollum just go ham on James Harden again. But yeah, I mean I I honestly we said it when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors. I don't see how it's gonna work with Kyrie and James Harden. Um but you know, anything's who's, possible. Who's their could, starting center now? Uh I mean they're probably running DeAndre Jordan. That's right. Ah, That's right. He's still there. Um yeah. But but they lost Karis Levert in that trade. So I mean they basically traded Jarrett Allen, Torian Prince, Karis Levert, Rodian's Kuroks, and a bunch of picks, like three picks and then four pick swaps, so basically all of their picks, um, just for James Harden, and honestly, in my opinion, I'm really high on Karis Levert. I might take Karis Levert and some depth over James Harden and all the conflict that could come with that.
1: So Brooklyn Brooklyn is the fifth seed right now, um, and they are two games back. I think I predicted them at the one or two seed, and I still feel very confident about that. Um, if they can stay healthy, uh, Indiana's going to be tough. I haven't watched, like, any Boston games. Um, yeah. So I don't know if Tatum – I know that Jalen Brown was kind of getting back into his own towards the end of last year. but. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to see that for them, great for them, that they're the one seed right now even without Kemba Walker still. So yeah. um, that – Hopefully, you know, there might be a little bit of growing pains there, but then, it should be really good for them when they get Kemba Walker back. But, yeah, the Nets should be at least a top-four seed. My question is, is this team good enough? Do they have enough depth to really make it happen in the playoffs? Um, and I think there's a lot of factors that go into that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's largely going to be dependent on... I think the depth issue really is that's, that's really... This recent roster move to get James Harden and dump that depth has made Kyrie's actions even more uh, under a microscope, right? Because that's a player not on the court. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say that pending two things, the first being Kyrie and his presence, and the second being those three players' health, um, barring you know, Kyrie just birth endlessly going to birthday parties and, and then KD uh, uh tearing his ACL and and James Harden hitting a Krispy Kreme every morning. Um I think <laughs> that they'll be a they'll be at least a
0: top three seed. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean their ceiling is crazy high. I just honestly think that lack of depth is gonna hurt them in the playoffs and, you know, could could hurt them in other ways. But just just the lack the lack of depth and the personalities and needing the ball in your hands um, yeah i i don't see them being like title favorites they're definitely contenders um, and i don't i don't necessarily think that they won this trade at all personally but yeah we'll see how and it i goes. don't think they, um, they
1: care at all uh, about the regular season so that that might be a big <laughs> Uh, constraint in my in my thesis there, um, those guys just want to get there, right? It's it's kind of yeah. like what we heard about LeBron in Cleveland. It's just like, well, just get him in the playoffs and, you know, hopefully not too bad of a matchup and, and just see what he can do. He'll, he'll put it in another gear.
0: Yeah, and, and there's honestly not too many teams in the East that you're, like, concerned about seeing in the playoffs. Like, maybe Boston, maybe the Bucks, But other than that, it's like, you know, whoever we end up playing, we end up playing, you know? So if they're not a top two seed, might not be too much of a difference unless you get down to like seven or eight. Well,
1: wow, that so. is some really uh, uh, optimistic language from you, Christian. He said, well, I don't know. We'll see who we play in the finals. I, okay, all right. That's <laughs> yeah. a... that's well, a, Oh, you're just saying just for whoever? Oh, you're saying for the Nets. I'm talking for the Oh, Nets. you're saying the conference saying finals. for the Nets. For them. Yes. Got it, got it, got it. I was like, wow, I didn't know we had this luxury.
0: you like... If you're the Nets and you're like, oh, we have to face the 76ers versus, like, you know, the Heat. I mean, the Heat made the finals last year. They're really good. But it's it's not going to change things like crazy. You're going to face a pretty good team, and hopefully you have enough to win. So um, the Bucks is probably who you want to avoid the most, but we know that Giannis isn't the most dominant in the playoffs. Um, his shooting doesn't help that. But I think just that lack of depth might make you want to avoid the Bucks. But, yeah, we're, we're just we're just kind of – going down a rabbit trail here we can definitely uh call it a podcast you got anything else you wanted to talk about <laughs> uh
1: no certainly not uh thank you if you've listened uh, to this hour of, of peeps and plaid thank you for sticking with us uh, i believe we might have some new tunes uh may or may not have some new tunes via our friend uh Michoni. go ahead and follow us on on uh, spotify apple Podcasts, peeps at peeps and plaid on twitter and uh the name of that track try it. try again Alright,
0: let's go Rip City baby!